0: All right, well, I promise to have everybody out by 4 o'clock, okay? Sound good? Hey, it's an honor and a privilege uh, for me to be here at Fairmont City Church. Take me a second. Get set up here. I, You know, when you were doing communion, I'll tell you, that communion was powerful. I made me want to get saved all over again. Amen? I, um, there, there's one other thing I, um... You know, when before I start my prayer time and I want to get alone with the Lord and get in the presence of the Lord, you know, I regularly use the the CD Father song that that Roger did, and there's a there's a part at the end. It's it's the it's the reprise, I guess, the Father song reprise. It's supposed to be, but it's just so anointed. And and there's a part where uh, you know Pastor Roger talks about how the father is is literally rejoicing over us with singing i mean it's just so powerful i mean think about that the the father is looking at you individually and and singing over you you know and then he just kicks in he's like you know how he does it I, i don't want i won't mess it up but he's like woo over me. <laughs> it's just, it's really powerful, and I, I just have it on repeat. It just really brings in the presence of the Lord. So before I, I, I begin with the message that God has for me, my message, by the way, is called Miracle Territory. When I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to preach here, I, I really felt like, because I mean, we have evangelists come to our church and stuff, and you've all seen these events. They have like five messages that they preach at every church they go to. Amen. But but I didn't want to do that. I wanted a fresh word. I, what, what do the people need? And, and I really felt that, that the Lord said that there's some people in this congregation that are sitting here today, they need a miracle in their life. And so that's why my message is Miracle Territory. But before I begin my message, I just want to start with just honoring the, the man and woman of God, Pastors Roger and Heather. Could you guys give them a round of applause? You have a gift. The Bible says that that they're a gift, and they have a depth in them. They have, these are not shallow people. And your honor, you know, the Bible says that we have this treasure hidden in earthen vessels, that God takes a treasure and He hides it. He hides it in, in a field, right? He hides it in earthen vessels. He hides it in dirt. And there's a treasure in there. And when you honor your pastors, then you get that treasure out of that. So I I just, you guys are lucky to have pastors here like this that have an anointing to to break bondages and break chains and set people free in the name of Jesus. So hey, before I begin, I just wanted to share really quickly just a little bit of my testimony. um, Because a lot of times when I hear a a new person talk, I kind of want to know where they're coming from. And I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I mean, we, we considered ourselves Catholic. Do we have any um, kind of ex-Catholics or Reformed Catholics in the... All right. Um, and, you know, we went, to, uh, we went to church on Christmas and Easter, right? We call them creasters, right? The, we went Christmas and Easter, but, you know, not even, you know, good, good Catholics didn't go very often, um, you know, didn't really talk or, or, you know, even consider the things of God. Um, in our house. And um, as a young person in high school, I got connected kind of with the older crowd and uh, connected with some who I didn't really know, but, you know, were some of the biggest drug dealers in the Pittsburgh area. And they kind of befriended me, took me under their wing, and and I just began using drugs, selling drugs, um, you know, you you name it, partying, just kind of living for the world. And um, got into a place, addicted Um, and kind of, uh, you know, owing everybody money kind of at, you know, at my wits end. And I was able to escape and I joined the army and I went to the army for a few years, was overseas, got married at that time, um, to Sherry, my wife and, um, came back and kind of just picked up where I left off at that point. And I think that, you know, my marriage was kind of on the rocks, and um, my wife was kind of seeking. And there was a Bible study that started um, at a house uh, next to ours, and Sherry began attending that. And in that, um, not only was she um, learning about Christ and getting close to Christ, but they began praying for me. You know, you guys probably all have relatives, family members that are lost. Don't stop praying for them. Just keep keep praying for them. There's power in your prayers, and you know, um, I, I love the story that that Sherry was with the old pastor, and the old pastor's like, "We're gonna pray for your husband. We're gonna pray that that he's gonna get saved. He's gonna give his life to Jesus." And Sherry was like, "Well, you don't know my husband. You don't know my husband." And she said, "You never know, honey." one day your husband might be an usher. You know, that was right up there with turning water into wine. Like if they could get me in the church to be an usher, that was like the highest aspiration. Like, man, that would be amazing if he was an usher. And, you know, so I was about 26 years old and, uh, she came home. My daughter was really small, um, at that time. And, and she said, you know, I'm getting baptized. Well, I didn't have a reference for that because, you know, Catholics you get baptized when you're a baby, right? You get baptized as a as an infant and I said, "Well, you know, what are you doing? Like are you joining some kind of cult? Like what is I don't really get like what what you're doing like." And she she was gracious and she explained to me, "No, you know, when I was a, a baby, I, you know, the, my parents made that choice, but you know, now I want to make that choice to follow Jesus and she said, I'd like you to go to my baptism. And I was like, no, that's not really my thing. That's your thing. That's not my thing, you know. And I was kind of happy to have my wife and my daughter out of the house on Sunday morning because I was usually very hungover. And so that meant I had a quiet house to sleep in. Um, but my daughter was maybe, what, four? I mean, five? I don't and, uh, And she came up to me uh, during the week when she was supposed to get baptized, and she's like little, she's looking at me, she's like, you're mean. And I'm like, why am I mean? Because mommy just wants you to go to her baptism, and you won't even go, and that's mean. You won't even be there to support her, you know, just little girl, you know, talking like that. And I said, all right, fine, I'll go. And so I went, and um, at that time, the church is the same church I'm pastoring now. They didn't even have a... uh, they, they didn't even have a baptismal. We met at a school. And, um, and so there was a little Baptist church that um, allowed New Hope to use the baptismal. And, and I just went there. And I didn't even want to go. I wasn't looking for the things of God. Um, I was just there. And uh, a man was playing acoustic guitar. And the people were getting baptized. And, you know, there's that, uh, that song. That if you ever heard that old song, I Saw the Light. You know? That's what happened to me. I, I saw the light sitting in this little Baptist chapel. It was like the light of God just shined in. It, it you know, I know I was inside, but you know, if you ever like watched a movie or something and you have that like, ah, uh, that moment where it opens up and like the the light comes in. That's what it was like. The light of God just came and I saw the light and the reality that God was real and that he cared about me, and I just became broken right there before God and just began to weep. And the next Sunday, I, 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 well, I came to two conclusions. God is real, or I'm absolutely losing my mind. I wasn't a 100% sure which one it was, but I said, if God is real, then I need to pursue this thing. And so, the very next Sunday, I went to church. I I accepted Christ um, in an altar call, and, um, and I just prayed one simple prayer. I said, Lord, I'll walk through any doors that you open for me. And the Lord's been opening up doors ever since. And it's just been the uh, the greatest life. And I know that a lot of times we can uh, talk about how, you know, sometimes that, that being a Christian can be hard. But, you know, if you think that a Christian life is too hard, you really haven't tried it on the other side. Because the Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. Amen? The way of the transgressor is hard. So I— I'm just so thankful that Jesus saved my soul, amen? And I wasn't looking for him. He was looking for me. That's the blessings of God, amen? So again, I I said my message is entitled, Miracle Territory. Is there anybody in here who's saying, I need a miracle? Anybody in here? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, open very quickly to Mark chapter 5. Verse 36. This isn't going to be my complete text. I'm just going to read the end part of it. But I'd like to set a tone for what the Lord is going to do today. I hope you came expecting the Lord to do something in your life today. You know, uh, too often we can get in the monotony of just coming into church and it's almost like we're going to our job and we're just punching in and punching out and that's what we do and and that's religion. So every time that you come through these doors, you should be expecting that God's going to do something powerful in your life because the whole week that, that I was praying about being here, I knew that God wanted to do something powerful here at Fairmont City Church uh pastor roger said hey with the snow do you think that you're going to be able to make it is it going to hold you back and i said well i think it'll be over by time i come in but the lord has an appointment for me to be at fairmont city church so if he's got to send a chariot of fire to stop by and pick me up i will be there on sunday praise god matthew chapter 5 verse 36 just reading Uh, the last part of that verse, it says this, Do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. Could you just bow your heads? We're going to pray for this message. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the matchless, the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus. The only name under heaven where men can be saved. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this appointment, Lord. I thank you for what you're going to do in people's lives, Lord. I thank you that this, it could be the day that somebody's life changed forever. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of suddenly. We thank you that you are a God of miracles. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who heals the brokenhearted. Lord, and I would just pray, Lord, that through this message that faith would arise. Lord, and I pray that you would... Uh, give the people ears to hear, hearts to receive, that you would anoint me to preach and teach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Our God is a God of miracles. Christianity at its core was never designed to just be a religion. Christianity was designed to be a supernatural way of life. At the very core of our Christian belief, and we talked about it in communion, is the fact that Jesus came down from heaven. uh, That the Word took on flesh and dwelled amongst us. That Jesus lived a sinless life. He lived a life that we could never live. He died a death on the cross, was buried in a rich man's tomb, and on the third day rose victorious over death hell and the grave. That is the central belief, right? This is, this is a supernatural way of life. This is a supernatural belief system. It's not just religion. See, God is not confined by our natural or scientific limitations. He's not confined by that. Even death cannot define God. You know, today our Lord is seated At the right hand of God. But I will tell you this, there is nothing that is impossible for our Lord. And and that's important because today we really live in a day and time of great uncertainty. We live in times of great uncertainty. We live in a day when everything that can be shaken is being shaken. we had this, this pandemic. I mean, it was, it shook everything up. It it made everything, everything crazy. You know, um, one of the things about the pandemic is it's just really, it's just really shaken the, the, the church world. And the groundwork is being laid for the mark of the beast. See the Bible says that in the last days there will be an antichrist figure who will raise up and he will take control of the world and he will take control of an economic system and he will give you a a mark that you'll have to take if you want to buy, sell, or trade. And so with, with, when, when COVID came in um, and then they introduced the vaccine, now please hear me, I'm not saying that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. You know, if you decided that you wanted to get the vaccine that's fine. That's, you you just have to pray through and you have to decide that's what you want to do. But when they tell you that you have to take something When they tell you that you have to take a vaccine, when they tell you that you have to take any kind of medicine, when you tell me what I've got to put in my body, then that makes me look and say, well, this is laying the groundwork for the mark of the beast because they're not just going to jump there. If they just went on the news and said, hey, by the way, we need everybody to take this mark on their hand or their forehead so that, you know, and and we're going to get rid of cash, everybody would be like, whoa, that's the mark of the beast. But see, the enemy doesn't work that, it's kind of gradual. It's just like putting the frog in the pot, right? If you you threw a, a frog in a pot of hot water boiling, he would jump out really quick. But if you put him in in cold water and kind of turn the heat up gradually, so if they're going to lay the groundwork that, that you're going to have to get a mark to buy, sell, or trade, they need to get used to us, uh, you know, forcing us to put different things into our body, right, by a, by, by a mandate. So I, I'm not against vaccines, but I'm against you making me put something in my body that I don't want to be in my body. And so it's causing great uncertainty. People are being challenged with their work. They, they can't... You know, they, they have, or have to make a choice. In Pittsburgh, the, the Port Authority bus drivers, uh, to be a bus driver, they're making it mandatory that if they do not take the vaccine by, uh, by the 15th of April, that they're all going to be fired. So that's not right that you have to make a decision that, okay, well, I either need to take this shot or, or provide for my family. Not only is it ungodly, it's definitely un-American, but, but, but that's all to just say that, that that this groundwork is being laid and, and you guys took the offering for Ukraine and Russia is very much in war mode as well. And a lot of the people in Ukraine, as they thought that it might happen, they were saying, well, I, I didn't think that this would ever happen. They thought that they would be able to negotiate it. They thought that, okay, well he's gonna threaten, he's gonna put the troops on here, but eventually he'll back off. And I don't know about you, but uh, lately when I watch the news and I see Vladimir Putin, there's something inside of him that's changed. It's almost like uh, there, there's a demonic force that that is inside this man. When I see him, it just he, he just looks differently, like something has happened. So, so Russia is in war mode. They, they've obviously went and, and attacked Ukraine I don't know we're like 15 days into it or, or something like that and uh, a lot of people are believe that this is the same war that is spoken about in Ezekiel 38 to uh, that that will Uh, provoke and 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 everybody has different views kind of on end times But a lot of people believe that this is a prophetic sign that this is the Ezekiel 38 war that will give rise to the Antichrist Because again the Antichrist figure is a person that it says that he will make a covenant, right? He'll make a peace treaty with many so you have to have a war before you can have peace, right? No, no reason to have a peace treaty, if you don't have any war, if everybody's at peace, you know, then we're good. We don't need a peace treaty. So I don't know, but it, but it's, you know, we kind of, you have that feeling like, okay, this is going to turn into something much bigger than what it is. I pray for peace. I pray that this could be negotiated. But it seems like there's, there, there's a force that's at work here that's beginning to escalate these things. So you have COVID, you have the pandemic, you have uh, the mandate, you, you have this this war in Russia, and then you have inflation at an all-time high, right? We have our money uh, being worth less and less. Um, I, somebody shared a picture on Facebook. It was from Weirton, West Virginia, one year ago. Gas was a dollar seventy a gallon. Now I will definitely fill up my tank before I leave West Virginia because Pennsylvania is much highly taxed and, um, but I paid $5 a gallon um, yesterday for my car. So everything's going up, finances are going up, right? So we're, we're, everything's more expensive, food's more expensive. You know, we have all these things going on and there's just all this craziness and all this uncertainty going on in the world. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. But one thing is certain. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. And he's coming back one day. And until he comes back, the devil is under our feet. Amen. If you have something to say to the devil, pick up your shoe. Write it on the bottom of your shoe so that he can read it. Because the Bible says that the devil is under our feet. And and, and I want to tell you something. No matter... Who is in control, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, no matter what leader is in the White House, or uh, in the Governor's House, or in the Mayor's House, it doesn't really matter, or, or what type of demonic plan is launched. The Church of Jesus Christ will always prosper, and the Church of Jesus Christ will always triumph, because the Church of Jesus Christ is the most powerful nation in the entire world. We have no borders. We don't have elections, but we have one king. We don't use guns. We don't have tanks, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual, mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Can I get an amen? And here's what happened COVID shook the church. COVID shook the church. And it it sifted the church. There was a sifting that happened within, within the church as, as a whole. Not, I'm not saying this church. I'm saying the the church, right? The, the the body of Christ. The people call themselves Christians. That pandemic, those two years that we had, basically shook the church up and much of the dead church, Much of the lukewarm church, much of the unbelieving church has been exposed and is withering away. But God in that has raised up a remnant that he will use to bring the last days and times harvest before the day of the great catching away called the rapture of the church. Can I get an amen? So you guys got to help me preach this morning because I'm from Pittsburgh and, and we're in the city. And I thank God that within our congregation, we have a lot of African-American believers in the family. Amen. And they like to shout and they like to dance and they like to amen the pastor. So I need your help because that's the way, you know, this isn't a Presbyterian church. Amen right? We are a Pentecostal, full gospel, full of the Holy Spirit type church. Amen? I hope you guys are excited about the things of God. Are you excited that Jesus one day is going to come back? But what he said is he said, until then occupy till I come. So the devil is under our feet until the Lord calls us back home. And if you, if you remember anything You don't have to let the devil have a field day in your life. You don't have to. And I want to believe, I believe, and I'm going to just go ahead and prophesy in this house today that we are going to see a level of signs, wonders, and miracles that we have not seen since the book of Acts. Can I get an amen? And here's the thing, every time that the Lord does a new work, he does something greater. So we don't want to look back at the old revivals. Although I, I did get, I did feel during worship, um, being in historic building, uh, this is what I felt in my spirit. And I don't know if this is for the entire church or just for you, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you anyway. But, but I believe that uh, what is happening, if you look at Azusa Street and then you know, obviously what happened at Angelus Temple and some of the other revivals and the great healing revival. And then there was like a lull. And then there was a time where uh, the the Spirit filled church kind of just wanted to, you know, we we didn't want to be weird or we didn't want people to look at us like we were crazy. So we kind of lost a little bit and kind of got blended into just a regular seeker sensitive church. But the Lord says he's, he's going to begin to unstop some of those wells from the healing revival, from Azusa Street, from uh, Angelus Temple, that those old wells that have been plugged up are about to be uh, uh, unplugged and there's about to be more rivers of living water flowing right here in this place, in this church, um, in this hour. So I want to talk to you guys about entering. That, that was just my intro. I'm just getting more. I told you I'd have you guys out of here by four, amen. Pastor Heather's getting nervous, thinking I, I really am going to have you guys here till four o'clock, but we'll see what the Lord is going to do. I want to talk to you today about entering into miracle territory. And we've already established that there's some people in here that, that need a miracle. And I, and I think that a lot of times, you know, in churches and uh, we come to a meeting and just in our faith, yeah, Lord, let me see a miracle. You know, we, we want to see the, the miraculous. We want to see God move in a powerful way. The, the only problem is that generally when you need a miracle, it's because that you have no other hope left. You've tried everything that you could try. You've done everything that you could do. You've talked to all the people that you could talk to. You asked for help to all the people that you could ask for help. And you know that if you don't get a miracle, that your situation is not gonna change. Some of you need a miracle in your family. For some of you, it's your kids. You tried to do your best, you raised them right. But they're out there. They're driving you crazy. You don't know You, you don't know what's going to happen to them. You're worried about them. Some of you guys need a miracle. You've tried everything that you could do, but yet your kids are just still out there. And it keeps you up at night. You're worried about it at night. Some of you guys maybe need a miracle in your marriage. You need a miracle in your marriage for your marriage to make it. Some of you may even need a miracle that you want to have children and, and you, you, you can't have children. You've tried and, and for some reason it just doesn't seem like you can have a, a child. But can I tell you, our, our Lord is, uh, is absolutely an expert at opening up the womb, amen, uh, for, for a miracle. Some of you guys need financial miracles, you need a financial miracle. You 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 need a new job. You need uh you, you have you have bills that are overwhelming, right? You're you're up to eyeballs in in debt. You have a medical issue that that you need to pay for, and you know maybe you don't think it's that spiritual to talk about money. But how many of you know that many of Jesus's miracles were financial signs and wonders? What do you call you know feeding five thousand people with with a couple loaves of bread and a few fishes, that's called a financial miracle. Because they told him, "There's no way that we would send them away. We we can't afford to feed all these people." Jesus said, "No, you feed them. Well, bring me what you have," and he did a financial miracle. Right there. When they were out fishing, he said, have you caught any fish? They said, no, cast your net on the right side. And they pulled up such an amount of fish that the net was about to break. That's called a financial sign and wonder. When, when Peter was worried about paying the temple tax, he said, go down and catch a fish and pull it out. And in that fish will be a coin and take it out of that fish's mouth and go and pay yours and my tax. That's a financial miracle. So God can do a financial miracle in your life. Some of you need a miracle of healing in your body. You need healing. The doctors have told you there's nothing that they can do, or you've got frustrated because you went from doctor to doctor and are telling you, well, we don't really know what's wrong with you, but you know something's wrong with you. You know that you're in pain. You know that something's not right, but you can't get it, and you need a miracle of healing in your body. There's others here that you you just need your life to change. You just need your life to change right now because it's just things aren't going good and you're down and you're depressed and and if God doesn't do something in your life you feel like you're not gonna make it and I don't know who I'm speaking to uh this morning but I got good news for you today because if you feel like you're desperate if you feel like you're tired if you feel like you don't have a chance Don't give up, my friend. Have faith in God because when you feel like that, then you are entering into miracle territory. Could I get an amen? Abraham and Sarah were desperate for a child. And it was when Abraham was 100 years old and when Sarah was 90 years old. That the promise of God, that I will make you a father of many nations. Abraham would say again and again, how am I going to be a father of many nations? I don't even have a child and my wife is barren. So at a 100 years old and Sarah when she was 90, when there was no more hope left in the flesh, the Lord visited him and Sarah had a child. Moses and the Hebrew people were in a desperate situation. God had moved with, with, with signs, wonders, and miracles on the Pharaoh with a series of plagues, releasing them from slavery. And, and, they, and they ran out and, and literally the Egyptian army, they were like, well, what the heck did we do? Not only did we let them all go, but they got all of our gold and they got all of our silver with them, right? Not only did he let them go, he took them with all the wealth. That's a picture of the end times wealth transfer that's coming to the church. You can believe it if you want to, but I think that that money can be used for ministry, amen? And so this picture, and they're, they're, they're fleeing, they're getting ready to leave, and the Egyptian army decides to chase after them to get the people back and get their wealth back, and as they escape, they run and they find themselves in front of the Red Sea with the Egyptian army at the back, and they begin crying out, did you bring us out all the way out here in the desert to die? And Moses said, stand still for the Lord to see if he'll fight for you. And he made a way where there was no way. See, their desperate situation put them in miracle territory and they escaped through the Red Sea. And when the enemy came behind them, God closed the Red Sea up, destroying that entire army, destroying their enemies. When Job lost everything and everybody gave up on him, including his wife, why don't you just curse God and die, Job? And his friends said, well, you must have some kind of sin in your life that we don't know about. And Job lost everything. But at the end of his life, it says that Job was more blessed than he was in the beginning of his life, that God gave him double for his trouble. When you're tired, when you're desperate, when you feel like you're going to give up, when you feel like you're not going to make it, then you have just entered into miracle territory. And God does not want to share his glory with anyone. And sometimes what he wants to do is he wants you to give up all hope in the flesh so that you can give him glory. The tougher your situation is, it's just a greater opportunity for God to get some glory. That's all it is the more difficult it is. Because the thing about it is, I, we were talking about it on the way here. Um, my, my, my mother got married, and uh, her husband, um, uh, just maybe a year or two after she got married, um, he went to the doctors, and the doctor said, you know, I, I have bad news for you. Uh, you have this, this rare kind of lung cancer, and uh, if, if you would live two years... Um, you would be doing really good, and uh, you need to just get your affairs in order. There's really no sense in treating it. Um, There's just nothing we can do. And he was just so broken. You know, he was just so broken before God, and he began coming to church, and, and we began laying hands on him, and we began believing God, and we began praying for him. And he ended up going for... You know, he had to go to, to another specialist. And so he went to this other specialist and the specialist looked at, it, at Adam and he said, you know what? He said, I don't, I don't even think you got cancer. I don't see anything in here. And you know what he said? They must have made a mistake. It wasn't that God healed them. They must have made a mistake. Now I'm going to tell you that, that, that a doctor is not going to tell you that you have a terminal illness, that you only have two years to live, unless they're pretty darn sure that what you have, you know, that you're going to die from. And so sometimes it, it, we're, we're naive, that we don't, we don't open our eyes to the miracle working power of God. That, that, that if there's something that we can give credit to something else besides God— that we usually will. We'll give credit in the natural and still, instead of recognizing that it was God. So sometimes what God has to do is he has to wait until all hope in the flesh is lost so that he can show you his miracle working power so that he can say, you know what? Don't give up. I got you. I love you. Amen. Let's open our Bibles up. John chapter 11. Gospel of John chapter 11. We're going to be parked here. For a little bit of time and we're gonna read about one of the most desperate situations in the Bible John chapter 11 beginning with verse 1 I'll be reading from the New King James version of the Bible which I think is the official Pentecostal Bible now a certain man was sick Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, the the Lord is not going to make you sick just so he can heal you, right? The Bible says that every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. We live in a a fallen world. And although God does not cause it, the Bible says in Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 28, that God will work all things for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So although he didn't cause it, he can take the situation, he can take the mess that you're in, and he can look at it, and he can use it for his glory. And so that's the situation that he's in. They come and tell him that, you know, your friend is sick. And he clearly says, this sickness will not be unto death but it will be used for the glory of God. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That part always messes me up. I mean, you know, I've gotten the phone call and you, you guys probably have too that, hey, you know what, you, you better get to the hospital because, you know, so-and-so's not doing too good, and, you know, we don't know how, how much longer, and so you kind of drop everything, you do what you got to do, you get a babysitter, you call, you know, and you and you go over there, but see, it's a different situation here because Jesus heard that he was sick, but then he said he waited two more days, so he said, you know, I'm just going to, all right, he's sick, and he's he's probably going to die, but... I'm just going to take it easy for a little bit. What was happening there? He was waiting until all hope in the flesh was gone. So that he could get the glory. So that God could be glorified through it. Verse 7. He said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And that's not the kind of stoning that some of you guys are used to, amen? This isn't the stoning that you would do before you went to the Grateful Dead concert. This was that they were going to kill him. They were going to throw rocks at him until he died. I don't know. I guess that joke goes better in Ambridge as the whole congregation laughs there. Okay, verse 9. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If someone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. You got to love the Bible because it always factors our human stupidity in the Bible. When Jesus said, well, he's sleeping, they said, okay, well, cool. If he's sleeping, then he'll rest it off, and he'll sleep, and he'll do all right. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now that was just referring back to the thing that they were saying where the rabbis were trying to stone Jesus. He's like, Okay, well, he's he's dead, so if we go back, they'll basically kill us too. So let's just go. You gotta love Thomas. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in a tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as he heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she's saying, you know what? If you would have just hurried up, Lord then it would have ended like this because she thinks that it's over. But how many of you know that it's not over till God says it's over? You may feel like it's over, but that doesn't mean that it's over. It's not over till God says it's over. And sometimes in your mind you think that things can never change. They can never get better. Nothing will ever happen. It's always going to be like this. And you look back and you say, Lord, if you would have intervened here, here, and there. But it's not over. As long as you have breath in your lungs and he hasn't called you home, it's not over. Verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And what she was saying is, is I know that, you know, that it's, it's like we would say like, well, I know I'm going to see them in heaven, right? That's, that's kind of what she's saying here. Verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believe in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Church, do we believe this? Do we believe that Jesus is our Savior? Do we believe that he is our healer? Do we believe that he is our baptizer in the Holy Spirit? And do we believe that he is our soon coming King? He is the resurrection and the life. she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And I feel the presence of the Lord. And when she has said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but he was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were there with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit, and he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I I love that Bible passage that says that we don't have... And I'm just going to paraphrase: We don't we don't have a high priest who doesn't know what we're going through, right? Who's not in touch with our infirmities, but but we have a, a high priest who came down and become became one of us, right? Uh, religion is about us working our way up to God, but 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 Jesus came down to meet us where we were at, in our mess, right? And it says that He was tempted in all ways like we were. So he knows what you're going through. He knows the struggles that you're dealing with. He knows the hurt that's in your heart. And sitting at this tomb with his friends, and his friends died, Jesus wept. And and the thing about it is, I don't think that he wept because Lazarus died. He knew that Lazarus was going to die, but he saw the pain that 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 death had brought to the world. And he probably looked at the world, and he probably thought way back to the Garden of Eden and, said it was never supposed to be like this. Death was not supposed to be here. The curse was not supposed to be here. Suffering and sin was not supposed to be here. Lack was not supposed to be here. All that stuff was not supposed to be here. And it's caused all this suffering. And Jesus sees the suffering and he weeps. Verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Again, criticizing. You know what? He should have hurried up. He should have did something else. And I think we have to be very careful about when we say what God should do and when he should do it and why he should do it. Because his ways are not our way. But he loves you and, and his timing, you know, you can get a word from the Lord, but the timing is a lot harder to figure out. We we live in a, a society, we like our stuff fat, fast food, right? We we want it quick, thirty minutes or it's free. Right? We we live in a society that we live in a, a microwave society, but but God's in the slow cook. Right? He's in the slow cookers. He's in the the slow cookers putting that baby on low and allowing all the pieces to line up. So that he can move at an appointed time. But it's our job to stand in faith until we see our miracle happen. verse 38, Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, "Take away the stone." Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, "Lord, by this, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days." I like the King James. It said, "He he stinketh." Don't take away the don't take away the stone, because he stinketh. But guess what? Jesus ain't afraid of your stink. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of that deep down part that you're ashamed of. He's not afraid of that. He's able to come in that, heal you from that, deliver you from that, and raise you up. They said, you can't take the stone away. He stinks. Been in there four days. This is what he said. Did I not say to you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? That's a word for some of you in here. If you will just believe, you will see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. See, he let them, he let them lie in a tomb because if he was, if he would have like just died and Jesus showed up and prayed for him, everybody would have been like, oh, well, he was just, he wasn't really dead. He was just sleeping and the guy put hands on him and he, Jesus is like, no, we're going to wait till he's dead. We're going to wait till he's dead and we're going to wait until he stinks so that everybody could know. That I am the resurrection and the life. And they rolled away the stone. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And it says the dead man came out. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loosen and let him go. And see, that's what happens sometimes. God raises us up from those stinky places. He raised me up from a, I was a mess. I was messed up from the chest up. I was tore up from the floor up. Down, disgusted, couldn't be trusted. All that. And God raised me up. But I still had a little bit of grave clothes wrapped around. There still was a little bit of stink. And that's what the Lord does is he begins unwrapping you. That's a picture of being in bond, right? Demonic bondage, bondage to sin, bondage to addiction, just being wrapped. You're alive. He raised you up. You're born again. The spirit of God lives inside of you, but you're still bound a little bit. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. There's some of you today, you're going to get loosed from some things today. What a passage. When you think it's over, it's not over for it. See, the, the proof that you're here today, the proof that it's not, this isn't all um, by chance. This isn't all by chance that you ended up, you know, coming to this particular church and then God arranged me to come from Pittsburgh down to here to preach this particular message at this particular time. If you feel like it's over, it's not over until God says it's over. So don't give up. Don't give up. Whatever you're fighting today, if I could just tell you one thing, do not give up. Do not quit. That's the key. Don't give up. Don't quit. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's not always on our time, but he's always on time. He's never wrong. He's never late and he never loses. Amen. Believe in his word and you will make it through. You're going to make it. Think of all the things that God brought you through. Think of all the times when you thought you weren't going to make it. All the times when you thought you were going to lose everything. All the times when, when, when you thought that the enemy's plans were going to were, were gonna beat you. But you know what? God raised you up. And God got you through this. And I don't care what you're going through today. God is going to raise you up today. And many times your greatest challenge is exactly the thing that's going to put you on your next level. God will use your greatest challenge test, and he'll turn it into your testimony. The Bible says that through patience and endurance, our forefathers possessed the promises of God. Through patience and endurance, they had faith. They set their eyes on the Lord, and they focused on the Lord, who is the the author and the finisher of our faith. He started it. He's going to finish it. And maybe you feel like you're in a bad chapter in your life. But guess what? God's about to turn the page. Amen. God's about to turn the page. Through patience and endurance, they possessed the promises of God. And listen, I had somebody tell me this. They said, you know what? If you're getting tired, the devil's getting tired too. And I said, how could the devil be tired like he's a spirit? Like I'm tired. But I don't, I don't know about, I, I want to believe that. And he said, well, what did Jesus say? He said, when, when, when a spirit is cast out of a person, they go to dry places seeking rest. So if they need to rest, they must be tired. So here's the thing. We got to be willing to outlast the enemy. We got to be willing to stand in place. So if you're tired, that means the devil's getting tired too. So you need to just stand up. Sometimes you just got to stand up. You got to just quit crying, quit complaining, watch what comes out of your mouth. Oh, it's never going to change. I don't know. No, stand up. Believe the word of God, right? Straighten those, those feeble knees, stick your chest out, Grab your Bibles and say, Devil, do you know who you're messing with? I am a son of the Almighty God. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. I have been endued with power from on high. I am a more than a conqueror through Christ. And it's not over until my God says it's over. Amen. When there's no hope in the flesh... You're entering in to miracle territory. That's not the time to give up. That's the time when you're going to see God move the strongest. You're entering in miracle territory. About a year and a half ago, we had our pastor appreciation dinner. This is the last. I just got a quick story and then I'm going to close. My, uh, we, we were, at, it was Pastor Appreciation Day, it was October. And so my birthday's on October 8th and um, every year it's like it's supposed to be a surprise you know, but I always know it's coming. And so uh, every October they would do kind of Pastor Appreciation Day and they would combine it with my birthday and we would have a meal and it was one of these days in the fall in October where it was just the most beautiful day. It was probably like 70 degrees, blue skies. You know, the weather was just great. And people came to church, and then we had a meal afterwards. And so many people were in church that they couldn't even fit in our fellowship hall. But it was so nice outside. They were just sitting on the hill. It was just one of those days. I I had just... People, you know, collected and offering, and I mean, I don't mean to be worldly, but you know, when somebody gives you a big envelope of money, it makes you feel good. Maybe you're more holy than I am, but you know, and, and so we had that. We had, you know, a lot of people at church and everybody's just happy and, and, and everybody's smiling and I'm like, wow, this is like the perfect day. And then about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was some kids that were breaking into a car across the street from, from our church. And I, 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 saw, I saw my son-in-law, Trey, I saw him walk down and he began yelling at these kids. And then the next thing I know, I kind of seen him disappear behind a house. And I ran down, and as I ran down, one of the boys that he confronted, there was like four people, he had a gun pulled out, and he was pointing it at my son-in-law. Long story short, there was a little bit more that happened, but I watched this boy shoot my son-in-law. From about here to the pastor. Shot him right in the face. He fell down, pool blood in the alley. Said, Lord, I'm dreaming. Did that really happen to me? Did this really happen? Did I just watch my son-in-law on the perfect day? Did I just watch? My son-in-law get murdered. There's a pool of blood. There's police everywhere. It's just crazy. He was bleeding. I, I knew he was hit in the face. and there was, just, there was blood everywhere. The ambulance came, and he left in the ambulance. It was me, my wife, and my daughter, and, and we were just holed up in a hotel room. Like, what, what does this mean? My grandson was just born. As a matter of fact, my daughter ran down to the crime scene, and she, she thought she hurt herself because her C-section hadn't healed yet. And, you know, somebody getting shot at that close range, even if they make it, which they were giving us no guarantees, they said there was fragments floating around in his bloodstream and all it would take is one of those bullet fragments an artery and he would bleed out. And we are just, we were just in, in a hotel room up by the hospital praying. Lord, you got to help us. We need a miracle. My grandson needs his, needs his father. My daughter needs her husband. And then they started a prayer meeting at the church. So every night people came and they were were praying at the church. And less than a week later, my son-in-law walked right in the middle of that prayer meeting. Never missed a Sunday. Led worship the very next Sunday with a neck brace on. That Sunday, I said, you know, we didn't know. They said, you know, we don't know what the long-term effects. They, they had this neck brace on him. They told him he couldn't lift more than five pounds. And they said there might be permanent damage. But, you know, if you move the wrong way, you, you could be paralyzed. And, you know, we just, we kept praying. And I kept saying, you know what, it's going to be all right. God's going to do, he, he, didn't, he didn't bring us this far. So some misled kid with a demon can stop what God is doing. It's not going not gonna to make my grandson without a father. The Bible says that you will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. And I spoke that over. We went to a six-week checkup. The neurology team at UPMC Presbyterian Hospital, one of the best trauma units in the entire country. And he's there. They came in and they said, Here, let me l- l- grab, grab my hand, hold my hand, squeeze it, squeeze it. Um here, pull, pull my arm, pull it, pull towards me, pull. You're supposed to be playing along, but it's all right. It's all good. She just wants to hold my hand. I don't blame her, but um So so he's doing these things, you know. Pull my hand, squeeze it, you know. Here, here, we'll push push my leg down, and all this stuff. She's like, you know, I'm I'm looking at all. Then then they put on all these screens. I'm looking at all these X-rays, and there's the bullet in your in your spine. But they said it's your vertebrae stopped the bullet. Had it gone one centimeter. Either way, it could have either severed your spinal cord or it would have hit a main artery and you'd have been done, but it didn't. It stopped at his vertebrae, muscle and the bone healed and muscle grew over it and scar tissue grew over it. His spine is totally straight. She said, I don't understand it, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Besides having that bullet in your neck, As a little reminder, and you know that today, the only long-term effect is he can't get an MRI because he has metal in him. And in that, not only did he work a miracle in his life, he worked a miracle in our church. The body of Christ came and they surrounded me. I literally had men sleeping on my porch with sleeping bags, saying, we're going to sleep right here so that you and your family can heal and feel safe. And it drew our church so close together that our church has never been the same. So there was a physical miracle. There was a miracle in, in, in our congregation. There was a miracle in our family. Something that seemed like it was the most desperate thing. But we never gave up faith. We never gave up hope. And here's the thing. Even if if you can't believe with your own faith, you need to link up with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why it's important that you come to church. Because there's going to be people, and there's going to be times in your life where where you're you're not going to feel like lifting your arms up and praising the Lord. But the people here can get beside you and they can lift those arms up to heaven. And until you have the strength to believe, they're going to believe for you. But I'm living proof to tell you. And I can tell you that God's done miracle after miracle in my life. And it's not because he loves me better than you. God is no respecter of persons. He did it because I refuse to give up and let the devil beat me amen I want to pray and if you're if you're here today and you need prayer you need somebody to stand with you and agree with you you need prayer for for any reason I, I want to invite you to to the front uh during this time and and I'll pray and I'll I'll stay for as long a, as you need to and Um, You know, I hope I'm not stepping out of line, but if you need to leave, um, you know, you you don't need prayer and you need to leave, you know, then then you can go ahead and you you can be dismissed. I'd rather you leave happy than stay and be mad. Amen? Amen? So so we're going to open up the front of these altars for prayer. Let me go ahead and pray, and uh, he's just going to continue to play some worship. Dear Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for those here who need a miracle in their life. Lord, and just as Jesus prayed, he said, he said, Father, I I know that you always hear me, but I say it for their sake so that they may believe. Lord, I know that you always hear our prayers. And I know that you are mighty to save. And I know that you are mighty to heal. And I know that you are mighty to break every chain and every bondage in people's life. Lord, so I just pray for those people who are feeling tired. Who are feeling like they can't take it anymore. Lord, I pray that you would renew their strength. I pray that you would renew their faith. Lord, I pray that you would make the weak strong through you. So Lord, I just thank you for the people who have gathered today. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to work in their hearts and in their lives. And I thank you for the mighty move of God that we will see in this beautiful state of West Virginia.